You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see your beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Yogo Benito, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I'm your host, Michael Leboff, and joining me, as always, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. And today, we're actually going to start with Der Klassiker, the showdown between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. And then we'll get into the EPL, give out some of our favorite bets around Europe, as well as our favorite underdogs in Europe, and our favorite bets from the EPL for the weekend. But like I said, there's only one place to start this week, and it's at the Westfalen Stadium. Borussia Dortmund, plus 270, home underdogs against league leaders Bayern Munich, who are minus 120 on the road. The draw is plus 340. Bayern Munich, first in expected goals for, third in expected goals against, and the best expected goal differential across of all of Europe's big five leagues. They only are up one point on Dortmund in the Bundesliga. This is going to be, this is the match of the weekend. Uh, no questions about it. Should be a good one. Should be wide open, but it is a derby, and you just throw everything out the window when that happens, right, Anthony? Well, I actually uh, I wanted to do the the Union Eastern Conference Final MLS game first, uh, as I am all aboard the bandwagon of my Union. We will be taking down uh, Michael's NYCFC on Sunday at 3 p.m. That's going to be a great match. But we are European focused, so in Germany, the other game of the weekend uh, is is Bayern and Dortmund. And let's be honest here. The table says that they're only about one point apart, but the reality is that they're much, much further apart than that. Dortmund is about a goal and a half expected worse per game than Bayern, and it's it's a little sad how much better Bayern is than the rest of the Bundesliga, but the main improvement for Bayern this year has been defensively. You know, they were middling for large portions of the season, conceding a ton of chances from direct attacks, very vulnerable on the counter. Hansi Flick really didn't figure out how to solve their issues. And it's really what got them knocked out of the Champions League against PSG. Well, it appears they've sorted out at least whatever somewhat issue uh, they had there in the sense that the defense has been way better this year. Uh, They are pretty much first in every metric we look at in terms of field tilt to ball control to preventing, you know, opponents into your own box. Uh, They're number one in that number one in getting into opponents boxes. These two teams actually did play in the super cup early in the season. It was a very open game. But again, Byron outclassed them. And I'm expecting the same here. Uh, BJ shows a little value on Byron, which you know means something is wrong. But I also show some value on Byron too. I've got the minus 121. Uh, I like them here. No fans 
going to be in attendance, which takes some of the sting out of it, but also hurts the home field advantage that Dortmund may or may not have had. Uh, that's pretty much gone without the fans. And so I, I think Byron rolls here. Don't even hate chasing an alt line uh, minus one and a half. It's a little square, but I think they're the much better team. And anytime somebody comes close to challenging Byron for the title, they're usually a bit of a paper tiger. And in this case, Dortmund is. Yeah, it's uh, very rare that you get the opportunity to bet on Bayern Munich on the show, but I'm with you. I think it's Bayern or nothing at this price. Uh, I think this number will likely climb up too, uh, but I like them. I don't mind like laying minus 135 with them up to that number. Uh, I think that they just, this is a, a nightmare matchup for Dortmund uh, who have had defensive issues. Don't want to do that against uh, Bayern Munich. BJ, is a three for three on uh, Bayern here? Yeah, it's three for three. Let's go back to that Super Cup match and really what happened and how Bayern Munich was able to break Dortmund down. So what happened is, is what Bayern likes to do is like to create overloads on either the left or the right. Well, what happened is, is Gnarby went more central, which allowed Davies to swing in on the left and he used his pace and he just shredded Dortmund because Bellingham had to choose who he was going to go to and who he was going to defend. He usually defended Gnarby. Uh, Davies used his pace to get by the left back, threw in two crosses to Lewandowski. That's how they scored two of their goals. Bellingham's out for this one. So I don't really know what Dortmund's going to do in the midfield or how they're going to stop Byron's attack going forward. It's going to be a nightmare type of matchup. I think, yeah, like you said, this is Byron or nothing. They have close to a plus 23 expected goal differential through 13 matches. Dortmund's sitting at around plus seven. So even though they're one point behind, there's a major, major gap in these teams' performances. I have Byron projected at minus 130. So if you can find a minus 115 or better, uh, I'll make it three for three on the league leaders. And the one thing, you know, Joshua Kimmich uh, is out and he definitely hurts this Bayern midfield. But like BJ mentioned, Bellingham has been kind of carrying the Dortmund midfield, uh, which has otherwise been struggling. They have had issues at fullback for years uh, and it's been well documented. It's a major reason why they've struggled against Bayern specifically. Uh, it's just not a good matchup for Dortmund here. I know Marco Rosa's had success with Gladbach against Bayern in the past, but this is a very different situation. He doesn't really have the personnel to match up here and really affect Dortmund. Now, Holland is supposed to be back, obviously helps the attack, and, and, and I think they'll score, but I just don't think they'll keep up. Right, and both these teams press really, really high, so Dortmund's going to leave a ton of space behind for you know all those attacking players from Bayern to get behind them. So it's a really nightmare matchup, and that's why you see Dortmund's you know 13th and big scoring chances allowed this year. So yeah, it's 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 a bad matchup for Dortmund, especially with no fans in the crowd. So uh, yeah, it's Bayern or nothing. All right, let's uh, move on to the Premier League now. Full transparency, we are recording this on Wednesday night to get it out on Thursday morning, as we usually do. So there are a couple matches that haven't been played, but we will do our best to handicap each match with the information that we have. So let's start. Uh, 7.30 a.m. kicked off West Ham. Uh, they're plus 390 at home against Chelsea, who come back at minus 135. The draw plus 290. One thing I was interested to see with this price was we saw West Ham play Liverpool at home just about uh, a month ago. Uh, West Ham closed around plus 333. I think Liverpool right now or shade better than Chelsea are. I think they're close, but Liverpool's a little bit better. So the fact that you're getting a, you're seeing West Ham at 390 compared to 333, maybe tells you this number could come down, but I still like West Ham. I think it's a good number. I still believe in this team. I was on them uh, today. What did they do? They go up one nil and then they uh, have a VAR goal ruled out and then give up a 89th minute equalizer to Brighton pain, but I'll go back. Uh, I can't quit him. I can't quit David Moyes. He's, he's done a really good job against big clubs this season. So I, I don't think Chelsea's going to be able to just run this team off the pitch. So give me West Ham on the money line. Hopefully it stays up this high, but I would probably bet it as quickly as possible because I don't think uh, it's going to last near four to one here. 
Uh, BJ, what do you see in this one? Yeah, I like, I like the total in this one, over two and a half goals at plus 105. Honestly, it was kind of another concerning performance from West Ham again. They went up in you know the second minute off the corner, and then Brighton kind of dominated for large stretches of the first half and most of the second half until they finally got the goal. So if Chelsea's going to be able to dominate all that possession and dominate that going forward and basically pin West Ham in, which they sat very, very deep in that second half, that's problemsome because Chelsea's a much better finishing team than Brighton is. So... We've seen it time and time again, and Anthony has been harping on it, I think, like three podcasts in a row. But Chelsea is not the type of team that they were last year where they just want to win one nothing. When they're up, they want to get more and more goals. So if they score first in this one, it's going to open the match right up. Because Chelsea, when they're leading by one goal or more, are averaging 2.53 expected goals per 90 minutes. And eight of their 12 matches when they've scored first has gone over two and a half goals. So uh, I have 2.71 goals projected for this one. So I like over two and a half goals at plus 105. Anthony, you have been a skeptical, I guess, of West Ham over the past few weeks, but you're going to change your tune a little bit here, aren't you? Yeah, it wasn't pain for all of us when that Neil Mopay bicycle kick went in. Uh, I know BJ and I had the other side there, so we will take that one. I think it was deserved uh, when you look at the, the quality of the chances. The VAR was really fluky. Uh, there was like a foul, then there was like an offside. It was very strange. It took like five minutes, not in the spirit of the game, but the Seagulls are due some some fortunate bounces after last year and, and the first part of this year. So uh, we'll take that one. Now, that being said, I, I do like West Ham here. Uh, Chelsea's performance today, I watched the whole game, felt a little lucky to get over two and three quarters goals in. They were bad. Uh, Watford looked extremely dangerous on the counterattack. Emmanuel Dennis and Ismail Saar played really well. They actually won the expected goals battle. And really, it was the Chelsea midfield, the, the engine room of this team that has dominated so many teams over the last month or two, just did not do that at all. Uh, and they kind of snuck out a result late. Uh, to their credit, you know, those kind of results are going to happen. You're not always going to play your best, but West Ham is a significant step up in quality uh, of counterattacking opponent. Uh, and I think West Ham here, like, you know, we mentioned, we all liked West Ham plus a half when they played Liverpool. I think this is another situation where you're getting a, a slightly overvalued favorite who's been on an unbelievable winning run and, you know, is playing like a dominant top three team. And maybe we don't know how good this top three really is, how much better they really are from the rest of the league. But I'm going to bet that Chelsea of the three is the most vulnerable to these kind of low event games where they're going to have to grind it out. And without N'Golo Conte, who doesn't look like he's going to play, Reese James appears he's going to miss this game. Ben Chilwell, they're getting into the, some of the reserve guys in their main engine room and ball progression areas out wide and, and in the middle of the park. I don't think it's going to be too easy for them to break down West Ham on the road. So I'm going to take the hammers. Come on, you irons at home, plus a half, plus 120. Maybe a little sprinkle on the money line too, but I think they're more likely to take a point here. Uh, yeah, pretty bubbles uh, floating everywhere. One thing that's interesting about Chelsea, Reese James coming into this match week and the midweek was their leading scorer with five goals. I know Lukaku's been out and obviously uh, Werner's Werner. So, but it's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, they played with, better with, without Lukaku. Yeah, I know. Month. I mean, the opponents weren't as good, but you know, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, it is interesting, but I would still take him back at Everton. All right, let's move on to one of the teams uh, challenging uh, Chelsea. Chelsea right now, I should say, they're top of the table, 33 points, City at 32, and then Liverpool, who we'll talk about next at 31. They're traveling to the Black Country to take on Wolverhampton, who are 6-1 to one at home against the Reds. Liverpool minus 220. Uh, the draw coming back, plus 380. This is a 10 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. I'm going to back Wolves. Like this, we do this every week with Liverpool, right? Like the numbers out of out of whack because they're an outlier. You're going to have a lot of trouble getting to this number uh, if you're someone who is handicapping these games. But I think Wolves does match up okay against this team, right? Like top four, 
uh, defense in shots allowed per 90, not penalty expected goals per 90 and big scoring chances allowed per 90. Uh, so whatever, I'll take my beating with Liverpool, my weekly beating. And right now, since they're playing midweek matches, my twice a week beating with Liverpool, and I'm going to back Wolves on the money line. BJ, uh, please don't let me go through this alone. No, I'm coming with you. Wolves plus one at plus one fifteen. This is I can't tell you how much I love this matchup for Wolves. And I I mean, Liverpool is overvalued here and they're going to be overvalued against some of these smaller sides. But Wolves is the type of team that can give Liverpool some trouble. So first, if you're going to be Liverpool, you got to have a good defensive structure. And, and Bruno Lodge has it was three, four, three right now because they're only allowing one point zero two expected goals per 90 minute. Wolves is a very interesting team in the fact that they do not press high, but once team crosses the halfway line, they hunt in packs and they're very cohesive in their pressing, which makes it very difficult for opponents to play through them. Because if Liverpool does have a weakness offensively, it's the fact that they're not that great versus pressure. And if you see saw games like against Brentford and against Brighton, where Liverpool kind of struggle against teams that are going to press them quite a bit. Wolves is the type of team that can take advantage of that because Liverpool's 13th in pressure success rate allowed. Now, Liverpool may play a lot of long balls up to Mane and Salah because, you know, Virgil van Dijk is very good at playing those long balls through the press. Uh, But Wolves is very good at preventing entries into the box, only 11.85 per 90 minutes, which is the eighth best mark in the Premier League. And finally, like you mentioned, Michael, Wolves does not allow opponents to create a lot of high quality chances. Even though they're allowing quite a few shots, they're very, very few chances have come through them this season. And Liverpool on the flip side, they've conceded 13 big scoring chances and Wolves should be able to create maybe a few. So I only have Liverpool spread projected at minus 0.9. So I love Wolves plus one at plus 115. The thing here is Wolves have not played the three best teams in the league. Uh, and that is my biggest concern with them here. Uh, we have tried, we have been, you know, looking at these wolves numbers and saying, man, like these, the, you know, these defensive numbers are really impressive. Like fourth best against uh, XG, fourth fewest shots, second fewest big scoring chances. But when you haven't played City and you haven't played Chelsea and you haven't played Liverpool, okay, maybe you're just inflated on having playing the three juggernauts that everybody else played that we're comparing you against. And that's my biggest concern here. I do not trust this wolves defense. I understand the matchup issues that they can present on the counter. Liverpool is open. I mean, Everton showed it today. The way they're playing, they're not nearly as defensively solid as they've been in that title winning campaign as they were. Uh, They look a lot more like last year's defense, which was conceding high quality chances. I think Wolves have a good shot to get on the board here. I haven't decided if I'm going to pull the trigger on the both teams to score yet, but of the entire board this week, I usually have one. Uh, this is this is the the one that that sticks out to me as a potential both teams to score. It's minus one twenty right now at DraftKings. Uh, I think that's probably where I'll end up if I end up playing this match because I I really think this Wolves defense might crumble once it finally gets tested by an elite opposition. From the Black Country down to the South Coast for a derby between Southampton, who are plus one forty five at home, taking on Brighton plus one ninety five. The draw plus two thirty five. This is, I think, a strength on strength matchup and a weakness on weakness matchup, right? Like the Brighton defense taking on a, a decent Saints offense and then a Brighton offense that has struggled a little bit this season. They are so deliberate. It takes them 20 passes to break any line. So that offense taking on a, a Southampton defense that is there for the taking. It's a low total. All the ingredients for me to play a draw. I like the draw plus 235, I think is a good number here because I think this game is going to be a snoozer and that's the type of match you want to bet a draw in. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, you know, my projections make these teams just about dead even. I have Brighton as a tiny, tiny favorite. uh, And so I'm going to take the draw no bet line at plus 115. I'll be going more into this uh, on the Action Network app, the award-winning Action Network app and actionnetwork.com. I'll be writing the preview for this game. But pretty much this is just a numbers play here. Southampton had a solid performance against Leicester, but one that did not particularly impress me. The goals 
uh, came off of set pieces and, and weren't, uh, you know, when you watch the game back, like they weren't exactly taking advantage of Leicester in areas where I thought they would be able to. I actually almost played Southampton, didn't. Uh, but the, ultimately, when, you know, it came down to the very end of the game, this attack, they're almost too frenetic in the sense that they press so much and press so much that they're like stunned when they finally get a good chance and they have been awful in front of goal. And I know that typically regresses, but we're dealing with a team in Brighton who also has been struggling in front of goal here. But I think Brighton's ability to slow this game down and kind of control the pace here gives them an edge against Southampton, who, like Michael mentioned, does have some defensive weaknesses that I think can be exploited. And Tariq Lamptey is back healthy and playing really well for Brighton, creating a lot of chances, had the assist today for the goal. So I think the, the Seagulls are a live dog here yet again. And now to the bottom of the table, uh, Newcastle. They're plus 130 home favorites uh, against Burnley, who are plus 210. The draw plus 245. Uh, Newcastle, they're zero wins, uh, seven losses, seven draws for seven points. Right above them at 10 points is Norwich City. They have two wins, four draws, and eight losses. And then Burnley is one win, uh, seven draws, five losses at 10 points as well. So another relegation six-pointer, back-to-back ones for Newcastle. They burned us with a penalty against Norwich in a game where, what was it, the ninth minute? Newcastle was down to 10 men and Norwich still couldn't put it away. But the thing that really concerned me about that match was you're at home and I know you're down to 10 men, but you're playing a team that you are battling neck and neck with in the relegation zone. And Newcastle showed no ambition to win that game in the last 20 minutes when after they tied it up. Norwich bossed the game. I think the possession numbers will show that out. I just can't, you can't trust this Newcastle team. I do think, like I've said a couple of weeks, for a couple of weeks now, this Burnley team is a bet on team. They deserve better results than they've got. They are eighth in big chances created. Newcastle's 20th in that stat on defense. So I think the matchup is pretty good for Burnley here. I know Newcastle does a decent job defending crosses, but I still believe Burnley can get it done plus 210 to go against Newcastle. I think no matter who it is, whether it's an MLS team, you might want to take a shot on that number there. BJ, anything you see in this one? No, this is past me, but what I thought was kind of interesting is that uh, Newcastle, I, I realized I got the red card in the fourth minute, but they came out in a 4-4-2, which is not typical of Eddie Howe. So I think he kind of conceded to the fact that his team is so used to playing those type of defensive 4-2 uh, type structures that he just kind of conceded and went with it. And obviously they had to play very defensive after they got the red card. The big thing here is I know Newcastle's not very good at defending crosses, but they're actually pretty good at defending set pieces and corners, which is huge against Burnley. So uh, that gives me a little pause on, on backing Burnley here. I do have you know a little bit of value projected uh, on the over, but at the same time, it's hard to take an over with two teams that are going to set up in defensive 4-4-2s. Uh, and haven't really been doing much creating going forward offensively, even though both their defenses have been pretty bad. So uh, it's a pass for me, potentially maybe looking at the over if we can get a good plus money number. But other than that, uh, I'm staying away. The team uh, right above the relegation zone, Watford, uh, they are 11 to one home underdogs against City, who, like I said earlier, is one point off Chelsea at the top. City's minus 425 for this game on the three-way money line. The draw is plus 550. This is the 12.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. How about this for Watford's last six matches? Liverpool, Everton, Southampton, Arsenal, Man United, Leicester, Chelsea, and now City. And somehow this team is outside of the relegation zone, even though they were in the relegation zone when they started this run. Uh, Claudio Ranieri's done a pretty good job here. And they did give, as Anthony was saying earlier, they gave Chelsea uh, a bit of a fit today before uh, succumbing to a pretty tight loss. I got nothing on this one. I'm not 
taking a chance, maybe a city under, but outside of that, like this, this Watford team has shown a penchant for scoring. So I'm a little nervous about that. I just think that this screams city two nothing domination, but one of those matches that it could be five, nothing pretty quickly. BJ, anything here? I actually do like Manchester City minus two uh, at plus 120. You know, Watford did have a good performance against Chelsea today. They only allowed 0.9 expected goals. But really what they did is they, from the get-go, they pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed them. And it uh, Chelsea looked kind of shocked at the beginning to be like, oh my gosh, why are they playing us up so high? What, you know, kind of, they kind of expect these lower sides to kind of sit back and allow them to dictate what's going on. Well, that's not really going to work against Manchester City because they're the number one team in the Premier League against pressure. So if Wofford's going to be that courageous and play that open in their 4-1-4-1 structure, Manchester City is going to have so much room to operate beyond that first line of four of midfielders. And also, if Manchester City scores first, and this one could get out of hand very, very fast because when Watford goes down one goal this year, which has happened quite a bit, they're allowing 2.06 expected goals per 90 minutes. Additionally, Manchester City has absolutely dominated bottom half of the table, 1.75 expected goals for only 0.56 expected goals allowed per match. So I have City spread projected at around minus 1.9. So I like the minus two at plus 120. One other thing, I think Watford is an interesting team. We said this uh, last episode saying that they're actually more fun to watch than maybe they get credit for under Ranieri, but also they're probably a little bit better than people realize just when you think of Watford and, and what their expectations were coming into the season. Only a minus seven goal differential on the season. And when you consider they lost to uh, Liverpool 5 nothing, uh, it's pretty impressive. Just a team to keep in your pocket. Maybe another one that has a few more big results. They already beat Man United, obviously. Uh, they beat Everton already. And like I said, they, they stuck with Chelsea. So just a team to maybe keep in mind. Yeah, I'm waiting on the official XG number for today before I update this stat. But they were averaging, uh, so they're conceding 1.88 expected goals. It's the worst in the league per 90 minutes. But under uh, Zisco, the former manager, 0.87 expected goals four per 90. So they were about one underwater. But since the Ranieri revolution, almost a full goal better per 90, 1.73 expected goals. And you mentioned the teams they played. I mean, they're playing better teams and they're getting more chances. Uh, and so I think Ranieri deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, I think the only way you look here is, is for the over, because I think Watford could score here. City, you know, is not going to keep all these clean sheets. Like goals are going to come against them. I just don't trust them to have this historic level of performance, but uh, in the same way, cannot trust that Watford defense against City who could rip them apart and probably choose their score. Yeah, so that's a conundrum there. All right, we'll flip the page to Sunday. Leeds are minus 105 at home against Brentford, who are plus 285. The draw is plus 270. This is an interesting battle in the middle of the table. Uh, I think the loser of this match would kind of go back towards feeling a little pressure of the relegation zone. And the winner obviously gets a little bit more room to breathe. Leeds uh, over the last seven matches are above the break-even mark in terms of expected goal differential. They plus uh, half a goal. Uh, with a two wins, three draws, and two losses. So they've started to turn their season around a little bit. It's still nothing to write home about. But that number is pretty similar for Watford, who have just not had the type of results uh, that Leeds had. I, I lean towards Brentford here. Uh, I'm not going to play it at the current number. I want to see if I can get it better. I would look towards something three to one or better, I think, just with the way Leeds is going. But uh, we'll see. BJ, what about you? Yeah, I'm leaning towards Brentford as well. I think Leeds might just be a tad overvalued here. Obviously, it was a very encouraging performance against Crystal Palace. They held 61% possession and they had a 36% successful pressure rate, which is about 5% above their season average. So it looks like Bielsa is starting to get his team playing like he wants them to now that they're actually starting to get healthy as well. They will have a really good advantage over Brentford in this one because Brentford is 18th against pressure this season. So that's a really nightmare matchup. With that being said, though, 
Brentford is an incredible counterpressing team. And we've talked about in the past, Leeds is one of the three worst teams in the Premier League against pressure. So even though they'll be able to win the ball against Brentford in the middle of the park, well, they might just give it right back to them and then give up, you know, some potentially big scoring chances, which Brentford is very capable of creating. So I'm waiting on a better number here. Uh, I like Brentford plus half a goal, but I need even money or better to bet it. One of the teams that uh, hasn't played yet by the time we're recording this is Manchester United. They are nearly minus 200 favorites. They're minus 195 against Crystal Palace, uh, who are plus 550 on the road. The draw is plus 340. Another 9 a.m. kickoff on Sunday. Palace has hit a little bit of a rut. Uh, it's very depressing for me, but I- I'm I'm still going to be backing this team. I think uh, they have the fourth best expected goal differential since October 16th, uh, which they've been a little bit unlucky in terms of their results, including the loss to Villa was a little unlucky. Yeah, they did get outplayed by Leeds, but the one goal that they did concede was a penalty in the what 93rd minute. Uh, so I do think that this Palace team will pay off over the long term and also don't trust this Manchester United team as far as I can throw them. And I know that the winds of change are coming. Ralph Ragnick's waiting for his working papers to come through. Uh, he's going to sort everything out. He's going to magically fix this defense. I don't buy it yet. Uh, so I'll take a shot on Palace, a small bet on the money line. Uh, BJ, come join me on the Eagles. Yeah, I like the Eagles plus one. You know, like you said, Rainier hasn't got his uh, work permit yet. So Michael Carrick will be in charge, which means Manchester United will continue to probably have no structure when it comes to their pressing. Uh, it was easy for Carrick to set up very defensively against Chelsea because Chelsea was going to have a lot of large share of the possession. You know, Manchester United has been struggling defensively. So he said, you know what, let's just set up like we have against bigger sides, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done in years past against bigger sides. And let's just try to hit him on the counter. And it worked. You know, they drew 1-1, which was a good result for them. But are they really going to do that against Crystal Palace, who honestly plays that exact same style where they love to sit deep and then hit other teams on the counter? So I don't really see how Manchester United can just sit deep against a team like Crystal Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace has the second most pressures in the Premier League this season, but a majority of them come once teams cross the halfway point. So if Crystal Palace is able to win the ball in the middle of the park, which they should be able to, they're going to just rip apart Manchester United's defense, which has been terrible in transition. So we'll see. If Carrick plays three in the midfield, if he puts Matic in there and, you know, gives him a little bit more uh, structure, or if he decides to go with his traditional 4-2-3-1, if he goes with a 4-2-3-1, that's, that's not good because at time and time again, McTominay and Fred have shown that they don't really know what they're doing, that in transition, everything is just so open between them and the, the last line of defense. Manchester United is long 1.8 expected goals, so it, it shows in the numbers. So I love Crystal Palace plus one at minus 115. Anthony, anything you're seeing out of this game or, you know, maybe Manchester United long-term for people betting at home? Yeah, I would bank on a lot of defensive improvement immediately. Uh, And and Ragnick is notorious for his pressing, but more more so his defensive pressing in the sense that he, similar to Ralph Hasenhutl in some ways, has set up a system that makes you effective at preventing opponents from playing through you. And and, and they're very good at Ragnick teams, most notably Leipzig, they were very good at preventing teams from easy access to their penalty area, which was probably the number one thing United was struggling with at the very end of Ole. Does it mean that there's going to be personnel issues still that exist? Yes, but you can already see with you know Fred uh, and McTominay, are they great passing midfielders? No, but can they be good defensive midfielders who are asked to run around a lot? I think they can be. So I'm I'm banking on some improvement here defensively from United. As far as this game specifically goes, I'm going to pass for now. I want to see how they look against Arsenal. Again, we're recording this prior to that game. So I'm going to be very interested to see similar to what BJ said in the sense that, okay, United showed they can defend in a low block and concede a bunch of chances and and kind of get let off the hook a little bit, but can they 
now go be the one asked to have the ball and break down a team under Carrick. I think that remains to be seen. Jane Sancho being in the team makes them better. Um, so that's encouraging. And so I'm, I'm kind of in a wait and see mode on United, but I'm going to be probably playing some begrudging United unders in the, in the future because I am banking on some defensive regression because they're not talent-wise the 14th best defense, even if Iran is out, even if you know they're, they're shorthanded a little bit. Also, I'd expect to see some Dean Henderson once Ragnick gets in there. I think uh, De Gea's days may be numbered, which I think could be an upgrade too. We'll move on to another uh, new manager. This guy's been there for almost a month now. That's Antonio Conte. He's been at Spurs, who are minus 265 home favorites against Norwich City, 7-1 on the road. The draw is plus 425. This is another 9 a.m. kickoff on Sunday. Norwich City, unbeaten in four. Here they come, climbing the table. Uh, and what, what did we say before Dean Smith got there when they when they announced his hire? He did such a good job of immediately turning that Aston Villa defense around. He seems to just have a way to get into a club, completely organize them, and make them tough to break down. That's what he's done here. In his four matches in charge, under an expected goal, 0.86 expected goals allowed per 90. And that is including the penalty that they gave up against Newcastle. Pretty impressive. I think the under here is interesting. But under two and a half is plus money, plus 125. And we know that the Spurs team is really struggling to just be a cohesive offensive unit. It'll take Conte some time. It's uh, he, He's said, said as much, basically that maybe this this season might be too soon to even expect it. So I'm going to look towards the under here. I was looking at the draw, but I do think that uh, Spurs has the opportunity here to maybe win, you know, 1-0 or 2-0 uh, just on their talent. Anthony, what do you want to say for, about your Tottenham Hotspur this week? Well, you know, I've, I've now had two listeners who have said, you know, why does BJ Cunningham hate Tottenham so much? Uh, you know, what have they ever done to him? One said that, we, you know, we got to get him turned around and, and convert him. So I'm guessing this person was a Tottenham fan. Um, so I'm wondering if BJ is going to be fading Tottenham. Again, same thing with the United situation. It's hard enough when we, when we don't know what happened in the game, but it gets even harder when there's a manager change and we are desperately wanting data to see how is this team playing? Are they getting better? Are they playing worse? Uh, are the changes happening that we'd expect to see with a Conte or a Ragnick team? So for now, I'm going to pass here. Don't be surprised if, you know, there's a Norwich plus one and a half floating around come Sunday uh, that I'm on it. But um, for now, this is a pass. Wait and see how they look against Brentford. Follow us in the app. We'll have our picks in. More analysis. As far as this matchup goes, I didn't think Norwich were good at all against uh, Newcastle. They got, I mean, how much of that game can you even really take defensively when they were down to nine men or 10 men, but then they also concede a penalty. There's just a lot of randomness in that number. I thought Alan St. Maximin found a lot of space in that Norwich midfield, even with them being down a man, which is a little concerning playing against Tottenham, who has guys who are were pretty good in space. But uh, overall, probably going to stay away here. BJ, will you be fading Tottenham this week or uh, the first non-fade of the season? I would like to wait and see what happens against so Brentford. Be Tottenham. Because if Brentford, you know, we're all on Brentford tomorrow, uh, at yes. least in some capacity. If that bet cashes, which we all hope it does, then I will probably be playing Norwich. But at the same time, obviously, I know Dean Smith has been able to reorganize this defense and they played a little bit better. But at the same time, their defensive numbers before him were really, really, really bad. And Tottenham does have attacking talent. I'll admit it. They do have attacking talent that can get through the Norwich defense just like that. So it's a pass for me right now. I do have a little bit of value on Norwich. You know, obviously those numbers will improve if Tottenham plays bad uh, on Thursday. But man, I know Dean Smith has 
done a great job with the defense so far, but I just can't get past those numbers that they had under the previous manager. So it's passed for me right now, but I'll enjoy watching Tottenham lose. That's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, I think that the reason I like the unders, I'm, uh, you'd have to expect Tottenham to be the one to carry the water uh, to get it over to three goals. And uh, I don't trust them to do that. Another uh, Sunday morning kickoff, this one, 11.30 a.m., Aston Villa, plus 150, home favorites against uh, Leicester City, plus 180. The draw is plus 245. Two teams I can't figure out, so I'm just going to move this one over to you, Anthony. Yeah, I love Aston Villa here. Uh, at home, I think these two teams, based on their expected goals numbers, you know, they suggest that Leicester is the better team, hence the reason that it's a pick em at Aston Villa. But when you look at recent form, and I – tend to find recent form to be a little bit biased and you know you can kind of it's kind of pundit talk like oh they've played really well recently but in this case with Aston Villa having a new manager and improving them defensively I think it actually applies when you look at Aston Villa today they lost 2-1 to City but I actually thought they played really well defensively they held City to one expected goal a little over one expected goal the one goal was like a 25-yard shot Emmy Martinez was late to see it it got it on the on the near post you expect Martinez to be better. He's been quite poor this year at shot stopping. It's a major reason they're they're running well under their expected goals defensively. And going forward, they created almost a full expected goal and did score. Um, so you're starting to see some improvement with the strike group. And, and the attackers have had their issues, but there's still enough talent here. The one thing that I'm concerned about in this game is that Lester is very good on the counter. Now, under the Dean Smith era, I'd be pretty concerned. I'd be more concerned about that because they really, towards the end of his reign, struggled against teams who were hitting them quickly on the break. But at least looked from what I saw today and from what I watched when they played Brighton, that they looked much more compact at the back. And I think they'll be able to frustrate Leicester, who, again, does not have good ball progression numbers. They're very reliant on counterattacks to score. They're very reliant on uh, kind of magicking up goals that have not really great moves. Uh, and so I think Villa at home here is a great spot to uh, to back Gerard's boys uh, at a good number where they're barely favored. I'm going to paint a picture for you from this afternoon. I'm sitting on my couch. I'm feeling better about Everton because it's 2-1. Uh, they As soon as Liverpool went up 2-0, Everton started to play better. It looked like maybe Rafa Benitez figured out that trying to press Liverpool, outpress them, is was not a good idea. Sitting on the couch, thinking this team's going to get back into it. They have a direct kick deep in Liverpool territory, then a corner kick. And I'm up, I'm on the edge of my seat. My wife comes home from work and she sees Mohamed Salah just pick a ball off of uh, Seamus Coleman's foot and score. And she just goes, why do you even watch this team? Like they just make you miserable. And she's right. Uh, And that is how I'll segue into Everton, who are home underdogs, plus 225 against Arsenal, plus 115 on the road. The draws plus 255. I'm going to do it again. The definition of insanity, according to Albert Einstein, is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And that is me backing Everton, who haven't won since September, uh, since September when they beat Norwich City. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful misery here. Uh, but the number's too high. This is a opportunity to buy low on a team that's getting healthier and did show some signs. When, when Damari Gray and, and Andres Townsend are in their right roles and they do have a focal point up top, like Salman Rondon shouldn't be the one, but they do have one up top. When everyone's in their right spot, the team is all right. Unfortunately, they still find a way to lose. Whatever, I'm going to do it. Someone come with me, BJ. Yeah, I'll come. Well, this is the, the Cunningham Leboff Derby on, on Monday afternoon. So this should be a lot of fun. Listen, we said it last week. 
Everton may be in the worst form of any team in the Premier League, maybe outside of Newcastle right now. They're not that bad. And there is no reason why Arsenal should be plus 115 on the road against this team. I understand the injury concerns, but even without Dominique Calvert-Lewin for a large stretch of the season, Everton still only has a minus 2.32 expected goal differential. That's really not that bad. That's just a mid-table side. And really what Arsenal's not going to be able to attack Everton or exploit them the way that Liverpool did because Arsenal doesn't press. They are dead last in passes per defensive action, while Everton offensively is one of the worst teams against pressure. So Arsenal's not going to be able to beat them that way. Arsenal defensively overall for the season has been horrible. They're allowing around 1.7 non-penalty expected goals per match. Obviously, a lot of that came against some of the bigger sides, but still. It's still not a great number when you're sitting in the bottom five of the expected goals allowed portion of the table. Offensively, Everton still 10th in non-penalty expected goals, fifth in box entries. And the biggest thing, they're still second in crosses into the opponent's penalty area. Arsenal's third worst in allowing crosses into their penalty box. So I get Everton's defensive troubles. I get all the injury issues, but I do not get Arsenal at their current state being plus 115 on the road. So I have this match projected closer to a pick So I like Everton plus half a goal at minus 135. It's fatalistic to think this way, but it's also, it's been like every mistake Everton has made, no matter where they make it on the pitch, it ends up in the back of the net. And you saw that twice today uh, against Liverpool with two turnovers and yeah, they were bad ones, but still uh, some defensive luck here or there. And and Jordan Pickford, by the way, played pretty well. So that game could have been a lot worse off uh, than it actually was. Uh, Anthony, you love, love to beat up on my toffees. Uh, I don't think you've bet them once this season, but I think we might be able to get you on the train because they're going up against ours. Uh, no, I bet Everton one time this year. They played pretty poorly against Burnley, but they magicked up like three or four insane minutes and, and won three to one. Um, so Everton, in my good graces for that one win, uh, I have decided and just put a bet in while BJ was giving his handicap on the game that I am rolling and I am back on the toffees here. I agree with BJ. This is a good buy low spot as good as it's going to get a match, a matchup that I really like. I wanted to buy low on Everton last week, but you know, Liverpool in a revenge spot after what happened to Van Dyke last year in the matchup, we talked about it. That regret was not just laying the goal and a half squaring out and taking Liverpool. This is a much better matchup. Arsenal again, does not get margin. Uh, and so that's a big problem when you play teams who are competent. And uh, I think this is, this has draw written all over it. This has one, one written all over it. When you look at Everton's expected goals, yes, they have not won a game in a million years, but they played even with United. They were a little worse than West Ham. They got beat by Watford. They were a little worse than Wolves overall, even with Tottenham and then even with Brentford. They've played okay, like BJ mentioned. And so I think when you look here, you're not going to find a better buy-low spot than this game at home against Arsenal. And uh, I'm going to be on the Toffees too. So we'll all, if they lose, Michael, uh, I might banish them forever. Someone's going to be disappointed. <laughs> It's a great, great, or it could be a fun derby. We're both going to want to hate. We're both going to want to just, we're both just going to want to be somewhere else than watching this match. Yeah. Under the Goodison lights on Monday evening. I don't know if anyone's going to be there because the crowd does not, nobody, no Everton fans want to go to the matches right now and watch this team managed by uh, a former (laughs) Liverpool Champions League winner. All right. uh, On that positive note, we will move on to Germany and the Bundesliga our favorite bets there and mine's favorite team over there right now is mine's. And that's where I'm going. Plus 160 at home against Wolfsburg. This is a 9:30 AM kickoff on Saturday. I actually like the draw here, like mine's Wolfsburg, two very stoic defensive teams. 
near the top of Bundesliga in, in terms of defensive metrics. A Bundesliga draw is a little bit insane, but I think it's pretty good value here, better than plus 230. So that's my favorite bet in Germany, a draw of all things. Uh, Anthony, what about you? Yeah, I'm back on the Marsh boys and RB Leipzig. They play Friday afternoon against Union Berlin. Uh, this is just a classic Leipzig. Everybody's down on them again. They had a terrible performance against Leverkusen, but there was a few ways in which Leverkusen is kind of well-suited to take advantage of the frailties of Leipzig in the sense that Leverkusen is very good at exploiting teams on the wings. Leverkusen is very good at playing that high frenetic pace kind of game. And they're very good at hitting balls over the top and then using their pace to get in behind. Well, they did all that against Leipzig. But what does Union do? None of that. They're a very industrious defensive first side who is vastly overperforming. They're a little bit of a luck box, as we say. Their expected goals numbers are in the red. They have more chances allowed than created this season. Yet they find themselves with five wins and three losses, and they sit sixth in the uh, Bundesliga, whereas Leipzig is actually below them in eighth, despite significantly better metrics across the board. This is a situation where Leipzig should dominate the game, should dominate the possession, should dominate the chances, and should get a win. Uh, Union, not the kind of team that I'm afraid to back Leipzig against. So give me Marsh and the boys and Leipzig on the money line, minus 110. I like it up to 120. BJ, what about you? Oh, man. I like <laughs> Gruther Firth plus two <laughs> against Leverkusen. Man, this Gruther Firth team is going to break my heart repeatedly this season because this is Germany's biggest overperformer versus their biggest underperformer. Leverkusen this season has a plus 10 actual goal differential, but their expected goal differential is around even. Gruther Firth is in dead last, and they have a negative 28 actual goal differential, but their expected goal differential is only around minus 13. So they're bad. They're just not as bad as it seems, like one of the worst teams in all of you know the five leagues in Europe. And Leverkusen, we've talked about it. Offensively, they're so overrated, it's not even funny. They're 13th in shots per 90. 16th in big scoring chances and 17th in crosses completed in the 18 yard box. But somehow they're in third place and they've scored 28 goals this season. The main reason for that is because teams like Leverkusen, this kind of applies to Real Madrid too, is that a lot of their chances don't really come inside the six yard box. It's all kind of around that. So based on expected goals, you know, your chances of scoring are obviously a lot higher when you're inside the six yard box. Leverkusen has the fewest shots inside the six yard box of anybody in the bonus league this season, which is kind of crazy to think about. They're tied with your boy, Patrick Schick. Yeah. they're tied with Armenia BFL with seven total shots in the six yard box. And I mean, listen, there's, I I can't find a lot of positives with Gruther other than they're just, they're not as bad as it seems. They have lost 11 straight matches, but they're going to improve based on what their metrics are showing us. They obviously a couple of weeks ago, I mean, they just gave six goals to Hoffenheim. So it's hard to sit here and say anything good about them. But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they lost very in painful fashion to Frankfurt. So this is a numbers play. It's too high. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. It's just too high. So I like Gruther Firth plus two at minus 120. I think I'm going to join you on that uh, money line. Gruther Firth. Yeah, that was, I, that that was, was going to be, I was, told Anthony that should have been his money line play. That, I, did that not, is a, I did not make it my money that line. That sounds like just a vat of pain There's, in there. Oh my gosh. It's, so it's so not I've actually, I, I just ran through it. I've bet them five times this year. Uh, three of those five, uh, the losing goal came in stoppage time. So they're plus one against Wolfsburg. Concede a stoppage time penalty, lose 2 0. 2 1 down to Cone, plus one and a quarter. Uh, concede a stoppage time counter, lose 3 1. Frankfurt, score in stoppage time to cash the plus a half, and then concede 30 seconds later to lose the plus a half. Just pain all over with this team. Uh, but I will be joining BJ on the plus two. Yeah, it I sounds mean, like our kind of team. 
Yeah, yeah. They have and, one and, point. And look, look, Greater Fur is point. horrible. They're getting relegated. <laughs> they have one point. Last. They have one point. And I bet and they're that, that game too. And they completely dominated. Well, yeah, they had they, they, they were up, the they were up a man on uh, a Bielefeld, I believe. They for like the whole 45, they dominated it and somehow ended 1 1. And I, that was like the second match of the season where we're like, hey, maybe this team's not that bad, you know? And then they go on and lose 11 straight. Yeah. So. I think that's enough Gruther first uh, talk for this week. Uh, we'll get to them again, I'm sure, on uh, Monday's oh, They're hosting Union Berlin next week. So Yeah, yeah, we'll get to them. We'll get to them so... again, I'm sure. This is a team that that you will be hearing a lot about over the course of the next few months. Let's move to Syria. Uh, uh, BJ, what's your favorite bet in Italy this week? Bologna, draw no bet, minus 110 against Fiorentina, the, the team that's on my list. This line should not be a pick em. Bologna should be favored. Fiorentina, this season, we've talked about it a lot, 24 goals, only 14 have come from open play, and they've only created around 18 non-penalty expected goals in 15 matches. Bologna defensively has been really good at not allowing a lot of high-quality chances. They're third in big scoring chances allowed. They're also due for some positive aggression defensively. They've allowed 24 goals, but only a little over 18 expected goals. Fiorentina provides no resistance in terms of pressing. They have the fewest pressures of anybody in Syria. Ah, so that allow Bologna to play out of the back pretty easily and get the ball moving forward. And Fiorentina's road form is, is just horrendous. So I have Bologna projected at plus 106. So I love drawing no bet at minus 110. Anthony? Yeah, that Fiorentina attack is looking a little bit better. Uh, and I'd expect that to continue. But for now, we're not there yet. Vlahovic uh, still overrated. Uh, hoping Tottenham doesn't buy him in January. That being said, my favorite guy, Jose Mourinho, Got an under in for me yesterday, and I'm going back to the well. When you watch Roma games the last three weeks compared to the month or two prior to that, it is night and day how different they're playing. Uh, The defense has improved. The attack has gotten worse. Um, They are not nearly as open at the back, and now they're playing the best attacking team in Italy in Inter Milan. Under three goals is minus 120. I think Mourinho is going to have the same approach to this game as he has in most big games against teams who are better than him, which Inter most certainly is. And Zaghi and Inter are playing with more possession. I think that sets up for a lot of stale possession here, a lot of bad scoring chances for Inter, where Mourinho's sides tend to be compact, let you take bad shots, not give you high clear chances, which is how Inter gets most of their attacks. And again, the market is just not pricing in this sea change in how Mourinho's managing since they've had some blown leads. And so I think they're going to be conservative again. And I'm going to play under three goals at minus 120. And now we will head to Spain for La Liga. Real Sociedad, uh, plus 235 uh, underdogs against Real Madrid on Saturday, 3 p.m. I like Sociedad here. They were unlucky in their loss to Espanyol in their last time out. And Real Madrid uh, got very lucky again, taking on our boys from Bilbao, winning 1-0 despite getting basically doubled up on XG. So this is a huge match, too, in terms of the table for La Liga. Real Madrid now, I think, is seven points clear. Uh, Sociedad and uh, Atleti are both at 29 points with Madrid at 36. This is a must-win game uh, for Sociedad if they want to stay within reach of uh, Real Madrid, which we would love them to do because if you listen to our preview show from before the season, we all liked punt on Sociedad to win La Liga. I'm still holding that ticket. I'm very ready to rip it up, though. Hopefully not this Saturday. Uh, So I'll take Sociedad plus 235 on the money line, taking on uh, Real Madrid. BJ. It's going to be Anthony's fault if we lose that that ticket because after, I think after they beat uh, some lower end side, he messaged all of us and said Sociedad is winning La Liga. And what have they done since then? I don't think they've won. So we can all blame Anthony for that one. And they lost one game. 
No, they've lost they've lost one and they've drawn one. And now Real Madrid has Lux Box has taken like a six point lead on them. So it's all your fault. But I like Sevilla plus uh, 100 at home against Villarreal. This is too low for one of the 10 best teams in all of Europe. Sevilla has a plus 0.73 non-penalty expected goal differential. That's the eighth best mark among Europe's top five leaves. Secondly, they play a very pragmatic, you know, build up slow style, building out from the back, keeping the ball, getting good possession going forward. And it shows, I mean, they're controlling 63% of the possession on average this season. Even though they play slow, though, they're very direct and they're attacking because they're sixth in box entries, seventh in progressive passes, and first in crosses completed in the 18-yard box. And that's huge because Villarreal's defense has allowed the eighth most crosses into their own penalty area. So Villarreal doesn't really provide much resistance uh, when you're trying to play out of the back. Unai Emery's is 11th in pressures per 90 inside the final third. So Sevilla will be able to play out of the back and put those combinations passes together and move the ball forward and likely control out of possession. And really what happens with Villarreal is when they have to play some of these bigger sides or sides that can control possession, I'm talking like Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Barcelona, they obviously can play a very good defensive structure, but when they play some of the smaller sides, they're used to having the ball. I mean, they, they're averaging 60% possession this season, but you know, playing those bigger sides, having to play those defensive low blocks, it hasn't worked out well this season. They're, they've lost unexpected goals to Barca, Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid, a combined around seven expected goals to around two and a half. So I think this is a great spot for Sevilla to dominate possession, build up play from the back, get some progressive passes going forward in the penalty box. I have them projected at minus 140, so I think there's value on them at, at uh, plus 100. All right, BJ, and we'll stay with you for our tour through France and Ligue 1. Do you have a play for us? I absolutely have a play for us this weekend. I think this might be a grouper here. Lens against PSG. Uh, I love Lens plus one at minus 130. They drew 2-2 uh, today with Claremont. Foot. It wasn't a great uh, showing from them. Uh, they gave up two leads, but this is a spot that I question if PSG is actually going to care here because they are leading league on by 12 points. Neymar is out. They played in the midweek against Nice. Nice held them to a zero, zero draw. Obviously they have a champions league match coming up. That doesn't really mean anything, but with all these injuries, Neymar being out, I question how seriously they're going to take this match. And this lens team, I've been talking about it over and over again. They're really, really, really good. They're averaging like 1.9 expected goals per match. They're top five in pretty much every single offensive metric we look at, including big scoring chances. The big thing, though, is that when they've played the big boys in France this season, they have not been scared at all. They have beaten Monaco, Lille, and Marseille, and the two other uh, big teams they played were Lyon and Rennes, and they won the expected goals battle in both of those, but didn't get the result that they deserve. So they will be ready. They'll be at home. PSG, when they're playing big teams in France this season, have not played very well. Gutted out a 2-1 win over Lyon. Drew with Marseille, 0-0. Lost on the road to Rennes, 2-0. That needed a late winner to beat Lille, 2-1. And on, and like I said on Wednesday, they were held to a 0-0 draw with Nice. So they're basically just beating up on a lot of the smaller sides. So with it being their fifth match in 15 days, Neymar being out, I only have PSG projected at minus 121. So I love one of my favorite teams in all of Europe, Lens, plus one at minus 130 at home. If All right. you follow me in the Action Network app, you know that I've pretty much just been blindly fading PSG in Liga for the last five, six weeks. Uh, Saint Etienne was up a, up a goal at half and then crumbled, gave up two late, including one in stoppage time to lose that one. But Nice never in doubt, plus one and a half. We fade him again. It's very similar to the PSG road spot where they had to go to Marseille uh, a few weeks back. Plus one, came out flat, got a red card, never looked like scoring, never did score. Uh, and game I did nil-nil. I think this is going to be a similar spot here. Great 
look on Lens, who, as BJ has said, is, is great, uh, but I just want to keep fading PSG because they are not very good. We might have to sprinkle some money line too. We might. No, we will. We will be. Yeah, we'll, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on to our favorite underdogs of the week. Uh, once again, I will tell you to bet these lightly, if at all, because they are underdogs for a reason. So tread carefully. Uh, I'm going to do it. I have, originally was not going to go here, but I'm going to because I am a masochist. Uh, so I'm going to take Everton plus 225 on uh, taking on Arsenal Monday afternoon, Monday night football. Uh, like we've said, this is just the, the line is just inflated on Arsenal. Anthony said it. It's a great buy low spot on Everton. So I'm going to do that to kick off our parlay. BJ, who's your favorite underdog this week? I like Venetia plus 255 at home against Verona. This Verona team has really just been outperforming offensively. They've scored 28 goals, but have only created around 21 expected goals. And a lot of that's due to Diego Simeone's kid, Giovanni, has nine goals off of around four expected goals this season. So I don't, I honestly, that's just going to regress. He's not that level of striker yet. He might be, but who knows? There's not a lot of positives with Phoenicia right now. There just isn't. They're dead last offensively and non penalty expected goals, 17th uh, defensively uh, in expected goals as well. But they are eighth in uh, big scoring chances allowed, and they do press quite a bit. And Verona is susceptible to getting beat uh, against pressure because they're 15th in offensive passes per defensive action. So this is a spot where I, really don't think Verona should be a decent favorite uh, against one of the, you know, bottom five sides. So uh, I like Venezia plus 255. Anthony, wrap us up here. John Piero Gasparini has done it again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I wrote early in the year about six, seven matches in. I was like, okay, what's wrong with Atalanta? Not creating chances. They are looking very sluggish. They're not pressing as much. All of their numbers were very concerning. Well, let's fast forward. Atlanta, are they as good as they were last year? Still probably not. Are they as good as they were the last two years? No. That being said, they're back in the top four, and they're looking like a team who, in a wide-open Serie A, might be able to make a run. Now, I don't think they're going to, but this is a dreamland spot for Atalanta. They did just steamroll BJ's Venezia in the midweek 4-0. They're getting Napoli here without their best striker in Osimhen, who is out for the foreseeable future. Napoli looked pretty sluggish in attack against Sassuolo. They blew the lead late, almost lost it in stoppage time. Uh, VAR overturned the game-winning goal for Sassuolo. But only 1.2 expected goals against Lazio in what was a pretty routine victory, but then only 0.9 today. Defensive regression is coming for Napoli. As much as I like Spalletti and like Napoli, they're not going to continue to keep out goals at this rate. Atalanta at plus 210 is worth a look here on the road. They just beat Juventus as well. So they've, they've proven that they can hang with these teams. I think Napoli has more of the ball here, but I think Atalanta will score. And at that point, they're a live underdog, plus 210, with Napoli not quite getting as much out of their attack without Big Vic leading the line. And that brings us to the last portion of our program, our favorite EPL bets for the weekend. Uh, I think I've basically bet against Newcastle uh, every chance I could this season. I'm going to do it again. Burnley plus 210 on the road. I just think they're a couple of tiers above this Newcastle team who I really question their commitment given what's going on at the club and the fact that the January transfer window is looming. So a lot of these players, honestly, Newcastle to stay in the Premier League is going to have to completely overhaul their squad. So uh, I just think that there's too much weird stuff here. Worst defensive team at preventing big scoring chances. Burnley is pretty good at creating them. So give me the Clarets at plus 210 on the road at St. James Park. BJ, what's your favorite Premier League bet this week? I like Everton plus half a goal at minus 135 
listen, I know Everton has a ton of injury issues. I know they just got thrashed by Liverpool, but this team is not that bad. Even without Dominic Calvert-Lewin and a lot of other of their other key guys injured, they only have a minus 2.32 expected goal differential. That's around the middle of the table. So there is no reason why Arsenal should be plus 115 on the road if they can't exploit Everton the way that Liverpool can because Arsenal doesn't press at all, and that's how you beat Everton. On the flip side, Everton defensively hasn't been that great, but Arsenal going forward hasn't been that great either. They're around middle of the table and expected goals. Arsenal has allowed the third most crosses into their own 18-yard box, so I do ever think Everton will be able to create a few chances. I have this match projected around a pick so... I like Everton plus half a goal at minus 135. And Anthony, who was your favorite Premier League bet this week? Aston Villa draw no bet minus 110 at home. The Villains have had a significant defensive improvement since the arrival of Steven Gerrard, the manager. This is no surprise given how good he was in Scotland. His previous job, they were elite defensively by their standards, and he's come into Villa and already improved them. They only allowed one expected goal to Manchester City. Extremely impressive performance, even though they did lose ultimately two to one in that game. They're getting a Leicester defense that is bottom six and expected goals allowed that has had an attack that's been heavily reliant on quick strike stuff and on set pieces of late. They're not going to get as many of those against a compact Villa defense, which is trending in the right direction. And I think Villa's attack showed some life in the last couple of weeks and is going to start to turn it around here. So I like Villa at home against an overrated Leicester who looks more and more like a mid-table team every single week. Villa at home, minus 110 on the draw no bet line. And that'll do it for this episode of Wonder Goal for BJ Cunningham, for Anthony DeBundo. We'll see you next week. Enjoy their classic everybody. Yeah.